This week on the Boag World Show, we look at how writing for the web is an essential skill for any digital professional and how it can improve the copy we write both online and off. This week's show is sponsored by Gather Content and the Cheltenham Design Festival. Hello and welcome to the Boag World Show about all aspects of user experience design, digital strategy and working in digital. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is my long-term co-host, Marcus Lillington. Hello Paul, how are you? Yeah, uh, upset, upset, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm upset. Aww. Well, <laughs> the, the thing is, is my, my son is starting college next week, right? right. And I had to buy him a new computer, you know, a laptop. He doesn't have a laptop. He has a desktop because he's a big gamer. Okay. And um, so uh, he's ended up with a really nice computer that I'm very, very envious of. So the college apparently says that he has to have a Microsoft Surface Pro. What? Which what? is a gorgeous computer. Have you, you ever had a go at one? Yeah, we've got one in the office. It's lovely. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I don't think it's a I mean, pro. Ours is an old one that we, oh, that we oh, borrowed yeah, from yeah. a client. Yeah. <laughs> borrowed. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. still so, working for that client, so it's kind of okay. That's all right. We use it for testing. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is such a... The, the pro is just gorgeous it's so the keyboard is great you get full windows experience you can use a mouse properly with it it's touch screen is wonderful it comes into bits and i hate him because he's got something i want but uh, so there you go i can't believe what is it because of the particular course he's doing or does every yeah. student there have to have a microsoft surface pro <laughs> now they 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 do recommend that as the the default computer apparently it's a investment Right, um, uh, but right, yeah. he's yeah, cause doing worth so much after a few years, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. No, I think he, you're investing in his education. Oh, is right. what I'm, I'm I, doing. I see. Right. Um, but he's one of the one of the A levels he's doing is um, computer science. So right. with computer science, you know, fair, fair enough, enough. I get. Yeah. I, I guess, but it's still grossly unfair. And that's the kind of that's the downside to the whole bring your own device culture that's um, is mm. emerging. Is it's a good excuse for the the blooming colleges not to pay for the, the kit. <laughs> yeah, dad has them. to pay for the expensive bit of kit. Yes, and so it hey, begins. Hey. So he goes from there to university, and I end up poor for the rest of my life. Or he, it, or he does. It's right that he does, Paul. It's yes. his education, not yours. Good point. Yes. There you go. Good point. <laughs> you will still have to fork out loads, but maybe not all of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I have That's a confession good. to make. What's that? Um, I because we haven't done this podcasting lark for quite a while. I completely forgot that I have to edit it and and make it into a podcast episode that I then hand over to you that you then publish. <laughs> um, and I realised this about ten minutes ago. I thought, ooh, I haven't done last week's. So um, I really ought to do that. <laughs> yeah yeah but you have to do this one first unfortunately so, yeah, have to record so i'm sorry about first. that yeah so uh, yeah. maybe after the show you can let me know um when you need the first one by um well the the weekend is fine it's all right it's all right we're not okay. it's not going out till Phew. next thursday so you're fine oh, thank um can I, can I just take a, a little moment to um to to pimp something is that right for it. well depends um, what it is uh, well, I've been I've, for for a while now. For the last three or four years, I've been um, cogitating and and scheming and evolving an idea in my head about a, a different way of managing digital projects. Um, and so, what I've decided to do is do a course on it. So, I've got uh, an online e you know, webinar course. Like yeah. we're going to be doing it in Crowdcast, exactly like this. Okay. Um, on on like a different working methodology so whether you're an agency whether you work in-house i think it's going to have something for for everybody in it um basically if you're involved in running projects in any way if you want to i won't spend too much on it because we've got sponsors the last thing you want is me advertising things as well but if you go to boag.world forward slash proj man p-r-o-j 
man then uh, you can find out more about it um and for those of you in crowdcast i've produced you a handy button which you can click a handy button there it is a handy button action paul i know right (laughs) almost like i've done this before i'm having real problems with my microphone today it's being very naughty right uh marcus thought for the daytime i guess okay i shall find it um i I believe at the end of the last series um you know many years ago uh, i said that i would write some some blog posts so here it is (laughs) <laughs> oh right okay this is you you sharing a blog post kind of no uh, it, it was just um these thoughts of the day i figure why not use stuff that you've written about and thought about um this was more of an experience because because we work in in various different sectors you tend to kind of keep an eye out on on new site launches within that sector especially mm. if in, in this particular case it's somebody that i had been uh, what's right, courting for a while uh, to do to do a um, to do a website redesign, and they went with someone else. So you just keep an eye, bastards. Out. Yeah, yeah, bastards. bastards. I, so uh, you keep an eye out and hope like hell that they fail miserably. Well, you, you can't, but that's a bit harsh, Paul. But, um, but you, you want to see see what they've done. And my first impressions of this site were that they've done a really good job. Oh, aesthetics are really clean uh, and modern looking uh, content is well written what I read of it um, it's reg- it seems to be regularly updated and generally it feels like the site of a kind of really dynamic thought leading company which is what this company good. is so good Ooh. good tick tick and I'm like mm, okay fair enough um, but part of the reason why I was given this impression of it being dynamic is the use of animation to introduce page titles it was very kind of ooh that's nice Um, they kind of like not not sort of ridiculously but they kind of sort of sort of float in a bit and and, yeah i know yeah and and it's quite nice um and it sort of gives gives a very modern feel however i was obviously looking around the site and it only took a few handful of pages before the animation started to become tiresome shall we say and once i got into double figures because this is every (laughs) page title i was shouting stop effing animating at my screen um, and I, if you go to the blog post, which is on the Headscape site called Be Careful With Animation, you can see an example of it um, in action. I'm not going to say who the company is, and I've carefully <laughs> made sure that the the uh, video that I, I took of it doesn't say who it is. But anyway, oh, good for you. Um, the site, but, but the site still works. The design content are good, as I've said, but it kind of made me think or made me realize that the whole experience is something that we need to be considering a lot more when we're in when we're designing a user journey i mean we mm. we kind of do that obviously when we wireframe that's that's exactly what we're doing we're considering the entire journey but you don't tend to think of things like animation of page titles that tends to happen when you're at page design so you and we tend to look at designing a type of page in a very sort of singular way well how, mm. how does an article page work or what's the layout of a product page what's the layout of a section landing page we don't tend to think how how when all these things are joined together what's the experience going to be like and i I, I, when i'm saying that i'm thinking well yes we do because we prototype but it's certain things and this what it just screamed at me because after what looking at 10 pages you're thinking this is really tiresome and nobody Mm. had kind of gone through that process of just looking through a few pages which i think we might all have been guilty of i think is my point here because yeah because of the way we design pages one at a time this is we'll, we'll do we'll do one example of this news page or whatever mm. um so uh, i think there's a simple way of avoiding this is just to ask the question how will this feature that we're looking at affect the experience of users across multiple pages or multiple or mm. if they view it multiple times and to finish off I think, generally speaking, with animation, that you shouldn't animate content, and that's what's happening here. You animate the page yeah. title is content. Don't make me wait to view stuff. Basically, that I, you know, that's that's content. Fine. Certainly, use animation um, to kind of accentuate things or to draw the eye or something like that. And you know, animation when it's used like that and done well really adds to the experience. But that's my thought for the day. Be careful when you're animating stuff, and maybe don't animate content. I think also it flags something else for me, which is how important it is to do multiple rounds of usability testing Mm -hmm. because it, you know, we tend to, um, 
Well, you get different people. It used to be the stage that people used to do usability testing just at the end of the process when it was too mm. late to change anything. And everybody went, you know, went, oh, that's a shame and put it live anyway. <laughs> um, then then we've kind of shifted to doing it more near the beginning. Or oh, we've, we've built this prototype. Let's test it. Mm-hmm. But something like that, often you wouldn't necessarily include in a prototype. Exactly. So, you know, it's so so actually you've got to do some testing towards the end as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. I like it. But I did send you through. Did you see the, the animation I sent through to you in the show notes? I did. You, oh, must, did. you must add that in. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's such a it, – it's so sexy. So yeah. if, you go to, if you go to boag.world forward slash sexy, um, you'll be able to say it. It's something that that's, um, somebody did on Dribble, um, And I've got to say it's a really nice use of animation. Um, but you know, it's a totally different kind of site and a different kind of thing, but it's worth checking out. It's times like this. I wish this was a video <laughs> podcast because, uh, that is definitely worth seeing. No one's ever going anyway. to type that, that URL in, URL in, URL in without being told it's a good thing to do, are they? <laughs> no actually now i speak (laughs) yeah Uh, well i'm I'm not surprised because you're probably traumatized at the thought of typing in boag world dot forward slash sexy and michelle (laughs) did she just went for it i'm sorry to disappoint you michelle but i am not sexy but the animation is so that's something right let's talk about our topic for the the um episode so I want to talk about writing for the web. Um, we did toy, didn't we, with the idea of, of, of talking about other forms of writing as well. But we're going to, later on in the season, we're going to come on and we're going to be talking about, um, uh, you know, sales, selling yourself and sales and marketing and that kind of stuff. So I figured that the kind of thing Marcus was talking about covering there, we can, you know, we can, um, we can do when we get to that bit. So this Instead is great. About I can now. just sit back and drink tea. Well, the next oh yeah, because because you've never written for the web, have you, Marcus? Oh, I've just talk- I've just was doing that, wasn't I? I was kind of uh, yeah. You literally <laughs> you, you literally just been talking oh. about that. All right then. Okay. So so first of all, let's talk about um, why I think this is a skill set that that everybody needs, and in particular, why. You know, because we can all write, can't we? You know, we, we we have to write for all kinds of different parts of our, our our job. But writing for the web is something that sooner or later most of us have to do. Whether it's a blog post, whether it's a bit of copy for a site, whether it's a micro copy, you know, um, we all have to write at various times for the web. Um, and writing for the web is very different. You know, just because you think you can write elsewhere doesn't mean you can for the web. Um, you know, we less. This is should almost not need saying to the kind of people that listen to this show. But let's quickly run through the case to explain to other people why they can't write for the web just because they can write well. Right? I know you know it, but you know this is the case you need to make. First of all, that people don't read; they scan pretty much a no-brainer there um we also know that reading on the screen is harder it's more difficult to do because it's projecting light in your eyes um we know that when people are looking at our websites they're they're faced with information overload you know their their cognitive load is very high because they're doing multiple other things at the same time they've got half a dozen different tabs open you know they're not giving it their full attention um also people are very cynical online um, and so I think the way that you present yourself and the way you convey information has to be very different as a result. Um, and also, I think one of the biggest things for me is that oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes when people arrive at your content and are seeing your content online, um, it's often on a very different premise, right? So what do I mean by that? Well, if you send a document through to someone or you send an email through to them or whatever you know other forms of writing normally there's there's not specific uh questions in mind you know possibly a, writing a proposal might be an exception to this where they ask specific questions but most of the time when people were reading web content it's re- in response to a specific question that they've asked of google probably you know mm. in a lot of cases and and so that all of these different characteristics of 
the online reading experience means that we have to write in a very different way. So it means that we have to write um, with a, a reading level that would be lower than we would normally write because we don't have people's full attention. Right. Um, and so, you know, people misunderstand stuff and they're basically people reading online are a bit thick. Right. <laughs> so you have to write for them and that's all of us we're we're all a little bit thick when we're online so we have to lower our reading level as we um uh, as we write copy um we've got to write for the fact that people have got um are paying less attention that we've only got a few seconds to grab their attention um that people are less forgiving of verbose copy so we have to get to the point quicker um that the, on, on the internet, we have to build trust very quickly with people and we can undermine that trust very easily. Um, and that people want specific questions answered. All right. So all of these reasons are reasons why writing for the web has to be very difficult, uh, different. different. And it's very difficult as well. But can there be. you go. Can I add one uh, a point, Paul? Yeah, of course. As it goes back to uh, your point about users being cynical people have become very cynical online and this is if you remember last not last time the time when i was doing the thoughts for the day so a couple of years ago whenever it was when we redesigned the headscape site i went went through and talked about us looking at the way our previous copy had been written and it was mm -hmm. all a bit over chummy and it was a yeah. bit kind of like oh it that kind of made my teeth go a bit funny when i was rereading it um I, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head but they weren't great uh, and all it means, I suppose that all that means is be genuine. Don't, you mm. know, don't be, don't be all chummy if you're not, if you're kind of quite a serious bunch. I suppose we are fairly serious, bunch of old men. Um, uh, you know, reflect who you are. Otherwise, mm. people are going to see straight through it with their cynical hats on. Absolutely. I do a whole section on my, on the workshop where I do a conversion rate optimization workshop on building trust and the fact that people are kind of inherently cynical and the way that you need to address that and, and one of them is by being open and transparent and real and human and all of those kinds of things which i think we're pretty bad at i think the last thing to say really in regards to why everybody needs to to learn to write for the web is because to be honest with you even if you don't write that often for the web, this is still worth learning because it's going to improve all of the writing that you do. That's right? so true. You uh, know, because to, to be honest, you can't, you know, just just because someone's reading a proposal that Marcus sent through to them, don't mean they're giving it their full attention. You know, they're just as easily likely to be distracted. It's like designing for the lowest common denominator, isn't it? By by writing for, you know, the lowest and most difficult uh, situation, you're going to make it better for everybody. Sorry, Marcus, you're going to say something. It's OK. I was, I was just going to say it's certainly proposals i try to do all all of the you know kind of more layout related things about writing mm. for the web about keeping paragraphs short keeping sentences short um all the stuff that i said i don't don't like about the uh um hemingway, hemingway and things, things like yeah. that but I, I still do try and do that I try and bear it in mind you know am i losing the reader here am i trying to am, mm -hmm. am i making them go off on too many tangents that they have to keep up with and all that kind of thing so yes mm. um if you write for the web i think it will definitely help people understand whatever it is you're writing mm, absolutely and it, it's the same reason as something like um making your site accessible is a good idea mm. because you know if you make your site accessible you're making it better for everybody not just people who are disabled it's the same principle here you know if you make your copy simple it's going to be easier to comprehend by everybody always anyway right so that is um writing for the web now we're going to talk, uh, uh, or, or why you need to do it. We'll, we'll go on and look at what exactly you need to learn, and then also some resources to get started in a minute. <laughs> but I do want to just talk about our, our first sponsor. But before I even do that, Marcus, tell us about the meetup that you've organised for, for when we go to Cheltenham. Okay, well, that is going to be... When, You're making this up when, on the fly. When we, when we meet up when we go to mm -hmm. Cheltenham uh, and mm. it's going to be great uh, mm -hmm. and we're going to have a really good time and mm -hmm. at the moment it's just in the planning stages 
Okay. okay, so you haven't done it. You haven't done it. I You've had a e- whole week. <laughs> I didn't even edit last week's podcast, Paul, if you remember. <laughs> so, uh, short answer, no. I didn't. I can't even remember when it is. <laughs> You're about to tell me, aren't you? Yes, yeah, so that's okay. I am about to tell you, which is a good job, because because uh, otherwise it wouldn't happen. So, so I'm speaking in Cheltenham um, uh, at a design festival that's happening there from the 1st to the 3rd of November. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the festival in a minute, but would, if you, if you decide to come to it, because it's, it's, you know, really good value for money. It's not very expensive. It's a nice, easy place to get to. Um, uh, we'll probably get together. We'll all go out for the, to the pub or something together. So if you can make it, um, just drop me an email to, uh, or drop Marcus an email to Marcus at boagworld.com. Um, now, yes, Michelle has just asked me what day I'm speaking, which is a very good question. Um, he says, desperately going through his calendar. I think I'm speaking on the Friday, um, if I remember correctly. Um, yes, Friday the 1st, because it's over the weekend, so I'm speaking on the Friday. Over the weekend? So, oh, that's different. Well, no, 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 because, because we'll do our thing on the Friday. Okay. Why do you think I'm speaking on the Friday? Because I hate weekend stuff. But for a lot of people, that's really good, because a lot of people can't, Get the time off of work, etc. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm supposed to be doing the sponsor Do the slot sponsor for the shot. 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 So the Cheltenham Design Festival is really all about exploring the importance of creative thinking in our daily lives and and how it's going to shape our future. Um, the kind of premise is that it's it's for every you know, design is for everybody um, and that we can all contribute to the design process and it can help everybody make our lives happier, etc. Um, so we, it will be exploring what the role of a designer is, you know, whether their job is just to make things look pretty or solve complex problems spoiler alert it's the latter um we'll talk about what the role of design is um you know is it you know how deep does it go how far does it expand so it should be quite interesting area um we're also going to talk about what it means to be a designer in today's world how that role evolves and why design and creative thinking is becoming more important than ever if you fancy finding out more than that rather poor description on my part um that leaves out fundamental details like who's speaking you know why you might want to attend what's exactly is going to be covered you know things like that if you want to know that kind of stuff <laughs> go to um uh cheltdesignfestival.org apparently typing in cheltenham is too much so it's just cheltdesignfestival.com so there we go that's that's um that one i'm looking forward to doing that we haven't done a meetup for ages it'd be good if a few people could come along and uh and yeah that'd be be nice right back to writing for the web yes what you need to learn so we've established it's worth doing um and all the reasons why even though you think you can write now you can't for the web (laughs) um so let's look at the things that you need to consider right so the big one when it comes to writing to web for the web is about reducing cognitive load right steve krug don't make me think Mm -hmm. right so so the less people have to think the better so how can we do that? Well, first of all, we can make things easy to find, right? So we can make the piece of copy, the piece of information within that copy easier to find. And we can do that through, as Marcus was saying a minute ago, scannability, right? Yep. Using your headings, using your pull-out quotes, using bullet points, all of that kind of stuff to break up the copy. So you don't have these big chunks of intimidating text. So that's number one. Second thing you can do is um, look at um, reducing the reading level, right? So um, making your copy just easier to understand. Use plain English, you know, use numbers like one and two rather than the words. Um, Write in short sentences, so include really only just one idea in every sentence. And use active language like John loves Mary and not Mary is loved by John, um uh, uh try to reduce the amount of punctuation other than full stops so don't have multiple commas within a sentence split it into multiple sentences obviously use bullet bullet points to break up difficult information avoid jargon let me say that again avoid jargon um don't don't abbreviate don't write 
don't write do not because that's easier to process. Um, actually, is interestingly, really? that, I'm not well, sure about that. It is, and I can tell you why. Because that list I've just given you isn't my own list, okay. right? That list By a comes real from scientist person <laughs> from MenCap, right? Okay. The mental health charity. So, so actually, it's a list that has been created for people with learning difficulties, dyslexia, autism, that kind of thing. But actually, as a result, it's also very handily reduces the cognitive load for all of us. So, so yes, apparently um, contractions, it takes slightly longer for the brain to process than, than the, the word separate. I mean, it's all minor points, but mm. you get the kind of idea. Okay, so that's one thing. We want to reduce cognitive load, um, and we can do that by reducing um, reading level. We also need to keep copy short as possible right i always add that bit on the end um because the usability people go don't don't write anything right um yeah i know i know what they're getting at um you need to use, you write as much copy to achieve the aim that you need to achieve, right? And sometimes that is persuading people or explaining a difficult concept. So your copy may end up getting long, and that's okay. The key, I think, rule is, is, is to avoid repeating yourself. Um, I find that this is particularly true with, with persuasive copy. So when people are trying to persuade other people... Right. You do it in arguments all the time. Right. Marcus, I want you to come to Cheltenham. Right. So so I talk about, you know, what we're going to do. And then I'll end up saying the same thing again in a slightly different way yes, in the really hopes that maybe if I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, maybe if I say it this way round, it'll be more convincing to you. Right. And, and that is that's where you end up with a verbose copy. So if you just avoid doing that, you're in a much better position. It's about just um, uh, to. Cut, cut in there. It's about oh, for it. providing complete meaning. So if because mm. if you if you cut things down too much, and this is one of my criticisms of Hemingway, you can lose meaning. And then it's like, mm. well, okay, it might be a shorter sentence that's that's less effort on your brain to read. But if you haven't, you know, if it's less meaningful, then surely that's worse. So it, there's a balance mm. here, basically. Yes, of yeah. course, reduce things as much as you can, but not at the expense of meaning. And I even went as far as not at the expense of character as well. If if yep. if that's something that you want to get across in what you're writing, yeah. Yeah, because there are absolutely character is part of building trustworthiness, mm. which is what I'll come on to in just a minute. But the other thing I wanted to say is think about creating a, like a hierarchy of information content within a page as well. So, yeah. so for example, it kind of goes from must knows down to nice to knows, right? So, you know, your title should com- convey the most important piece of information that people need, followed by the summary right then your headings should convey important pieces of information subheadings slightly less important pieces of information and your section copy is where the detail is so you kind of create like a a inverted pyramid going from broad you know kind of must knows down i'm not explaining it very well am i explaining that well did that make sense totally stop stop though don't repeat yourself paul don't repeat myself don't say it in different ways absolutely (laughs) um Obviously, you want to consider your readability level as well. Fine. That is actually where an app like the Hemingway app is very good because it gives you a nice readability score, which is based on, you know, I don't know. There's a there's an official scoring system that I can't remember it off the top of my head. And then the fact, last thing is try getting rid of, of copy and using video or imagery instead. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we can be very lazy because copy is easy, you know, yeah. um, but... But actually, sometimes there are better ways of communicating um, information than using copy. So that's one thing. Reduce cognitive load using all those ideas. Then the other thing um, that you need to do with your copy is build trust. So this is where character comes in that you, you, know, you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, the big, the, there's kind of several ways. Uh, one, two, three, four, five ways that I do that, right? The first one is to write like a frigging human being. Right. I, I want to read you a little bit of copy from from uh, a university website I worked on when I, well, when I was back at Headscape. Right. 
It, this is from a university. Right. As well as ensuring students make the most of their potential through their academic studies, the University of Essex also provides an environment which caters for all the needs of its students through a range of, um, of accommodation, catering facilities, an active student union, sports and the arts. Now, setting aside that that is one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) You had to take a few breaths in there, didn't you? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, The other thing is it reminds me of Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I don't know did you ever watch silence of the lambs not Marcus? for years but yes, yes right have, yeah. in silence of the lambs there is a mass murderer yes right? i know that and, and he he kidnaps women and in order to not become attached to them he refers to them in the third person she will take off her clothes she will shower she will eat right, right. In, and that's exactly what this copy does right Right. Students, not you. (laughs) Right. Not you reading this, but students. Right. Not me, but the University of Essex. Right. It's dehumanizing it the whole time. So I just rewrote it. Student life is about more than studying. We support you in everything you'll be looking for from accommodation and catering through to an active student union, great sports facilities and an engaging arts program. What a difference in terms of making that. Uh, they should do what they did. So that worked out well. <laughs> and they did fix it. Yeah. Um, so that's one way you can build trust is by being human in your copy. The other one that I quite like is telling stories. Right. So I always, I always sound so pretentious. Mm. Oh, yes. We need to be storytellers. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I know. A lot at the moment. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you we need to be storytellers. And it, it sounds so pretentious. Now, there are good reasons. Stories are very, we, we engage with stories. We imagine ourselves in the role of the protagonist. They draw you in. We're biologically programmed to pay attention to stories. They build trust and rapport and that kind of things. But it also always sounds so abstract when you talk about that. So, so let me break it down into four stories that I like to use um, when, I, when I write copy. One is I'll tell the story of the company, right? So we all know the story about, you know, how Apple started in a garage, mm-hmm. right? Or that Marks and Spencer's was a barrow boy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and these kinds of things humanized the brand. Right? The fact that Apple is now a multi-billion you know, dollar company. Yeah, but they started in a garage and it was all very scrappy, you know? Yeah. Um, the second thing you do is talk about the product. And again, Apple is great at this. Whenever they announce a product, you've always got that video where, um, uh, what's his name? The, the designer guy yeah, whose name's I, gone out of my head at the moment. Yeah, I really um, don't like him, though. He, ma- he makes me not want to buy their products. It's all right. He's left now, so it's fine. What is his name? But I know. It's really annoying. Someone will put it in chat in a minute. Yeah. Um, so, so you always had these videos, but those videos are talking about the journey that they went on, the experience of creating the product, right? The other thing you can talk about is your people. I really like this. Um, so, you know, uh, for example, I remember when we worked with Farm Foods um, and we, we were working on, on blog content and that kind of stuff. And we decided to feature one of the guys that worked in the, the um, freezer room, the, the warehouse. You know, he worked in minus 20 all, all day. And that was a really compelling story about what he did and what he was involved in. Um, and then finally, there's, um, you could talk about your customers. Um, so you can talk about their story, not even about your own company, but hey, look at all these cool people that work with us. Therefore, by extension, we must be cool. Yeah. So there's lots of ways of telling stories. My feeling on this one, though, is you've got to be careful. It's a bit like this. I go back to the everyone's cynical. I think if it, if it mm. feels a bit forced, or oh, we better tell a story, then yeah. you, you've got a problem. If the story's great, then yes, but don't invent them for the sake of it, I guess is where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's the key, isn't mm. it? You know, there are other, it's like everybody latches on to kind of one or two specific things. Oh, and now we're all got to be storytellers and everybody tries to crowbar it in. You got to pick the right tool for the right job, yeah. basically. So another tool that you can pick is to, to tackle um, issues head on, right? What do I mean by that? Well, A lot of copy is about objection handling, right? It's the fears that people get in their heads about why, you know, why they can't, 
you know why they shouldn't buy your product what what's you know what you know what might go wrong and what we tend to do is we kind of cross our fingers and hope that they don't think of the things right because <laughs> we all know the things we know the 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 concerns people might have but we kind of hope that they don't but actually, there's something to be said for tackling them head on. Um, McDonald's does a really great job at this, actually, because um, we all know we've all heard the rumours, haven't we, about McDonald's that chicken nuggets may contain chicken. <laughs> but what parts of the chicken is it? You know, or that the, the fries don't actually contain potato and all of these kinds of things. Now. McDonald's aren't stupid enough to say some people say that our product doesn't contain chicken, but their website does specifically lay out that we only use chicken breast and, you know, that and they even say, and that includes our chicken nuggets, right? Um, So they're, they're tackling the issues rather than avoiding them. So that kind of objection handling is very powerful and helps to build trust because it shows an understanding um, and there's a kind of knock on with that, which is don't make people hunt for these answers. Right. So let's foot take, for example, um, I'm signing up for a newsletter. Right. What is one of the objections that might put someone off of signing up for a newsletter? Ah, oh, what are they going to do with my email address? Right. And that's inevitably buried somewhere in a privacy policy that's probably in the footer and it's probably written in legalese. Yeah. Right. And, I, you know, I'm not going to go searching for that. I'm just going to conclude, oh, well, they're going to do bad things with my email address. But if you put a little message right by the email, you know, the a newsletter sign up, then it's a lot more compelling because I'm not having to go and search for it. And then the final bit of advice I would give, which is I touched on earlier, is to be open, to be honest and to be real. And Flickr did a really great example of this very early on in their life. Right. So right very early on in their um, uh, in their life, um, they had all kinds of server problems um, and their service was down a lot. And people were beginning to get a little bit frustrated. Mm. And then the unthinkable happened and they actually lost a whole load of user data. Right. So they lost people's photographs. Um, so there was this huge, huge backlash. Now, if that had been a grown up company, you know, after, for example, after they got bought by Yahoo or someone else, the lawyers would have got involved and drafted this document, you know, kind of apologizing, but really just covering their asses, you know, and it, it's got that whole dishonest kind of slightly awkward thing about it. Mm. Instead, Flickr just wrote this brilliant blog post that started, Sometimes We Suck. Um, And the very first line of it, um, that was the title of it. The very first line is, we just have to unconditionally apologize. And then they worked, um, went on to, to explain exactly what happened. Said that, look, that's not an excuse, but so you understand what happened. This is the steps we're going to take to put it right. And that was so powerful because you took the wind out of everybody's selves because you hadn't defend you weren't defending yourself you know so yeah all of that will build trust so let me just recap you want to reduce cognitive load with your copy you want to build trust the final thing you want to do is make your copy user-centric now what that means is first of all start with the user's questions what are they asking when they come to the website that is always how i start all of my copywriting right even the blog posts i write i start by thinking what have they typed into google okay um and then what other questions come out of that so always start with user questions and actually that's a brilliant way to overcome that you know flashing cursor on a blank screen when it's like oh how am i going to do this you know (laughs) just write a list of questions and then put bullet points as answers to each of those questions such a good way to start writing boom you've got a blog post exactly yeah (laughs) it's that easy um (laughs) but it's a good starting point at least the second thing is show empathy right so a, a good thing to do in copy is um, talk about the customer's pain points, right? What they're struggling with. Do you remember working for Get Feedback? Cool. Yes. Do I mean Get Feedback? Yes, yes. I do, don't I? Yes. Wow. So that's going back. Somewhere. Yeah, it is. But do you remember the copy on their website? No. 
<laughs> no, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not surprised. I don't even think you were involved with the project. But, you know, what was that? Probably eight years ago? Nine years ago? Probably more. But yes. Probably okay. more. But I remember their copy. Wow. That is impressive. Not, not all of it, obviously. But I remember one page in particular. And the reason that I remember it is because it started off, they did a story, right? It started off, it's 4 a.m. And you've just seen the email that says the CEO wants a report by the next d- day. Right, yeah. Right? And that's how they started. Um, and so, they were, yes, they did a bit of storytelling there, but they immediately empathized with the kind of situation that we all find ourselves in, you know, that, that suddenly it's, oh, shit, <laughs> and that kind of panic mentality. So showing some empathy is really good. The other thing that I would really encourage you to do is focus on benefits as well as features. So we're really bad at making connections in our minds. So, um, I've got know, to interrupt, I, I could, Paul, sorry, I've got to interrupt. Yeah. Get feedback. We worked with them 14 years ago. <gasps> and I still remember that piece yeah. of copy. Isn't I mean, I'd love to say we wrote it. They wrote it. Yeah, so, right. you know, they were, they were very good at writing copy. Um, yeah, so the fi- so, so, so focus on benefits as well as, as features because we're really bad at making that kind of connection. So, so for example, um, I'm sure that Marcus could list me um, all of the, the characteristics of one of those guitars on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, how many strings it... Well, they're all going to have the same number <laughs> of strings, aren't they? I don't know. I, I'm showing my utter ignorance <laughs> at this point. But you could give me its specs, no doubt. I could. Right? But that isn't going to be enough in itself to sell me the guitar. Mm-hmm. What sells me the guitar is the benefits that those specs have. A richer sound or a, you know, or you just look cool holding it. <laughs> you know? That's the only reason to play the guitar. There are no other reasons. Just, it's, just yes, it's so to, cool. to attract, attract a partner, isn't it? I thought that was the... <laughs> that's just, a, yeah, yeah, playing in a band, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah so so um but that's you know that that's kind of fundamental right um you know for example i remember um a, an ad from apple at one point which read something along the lines of a 12 hour battery life so it won't stop until you do mm. right and, and notice what I like about that. You see, a lot of marketers go, oh, it's all about benefits, just as I've said. But then they leave out the features part. And it all seems a bit hollow and a bit, you know, and then your cynical brain kicks in exactly. and goes, you know, oh, it lasts as long as I do. Well, what if I do an all-nighter, right? What works about Apple's statement is that it pairs the two. You get the feature, but you get the prod, uh, the benefit too. And the very last thing I want to say um, on stuff that you need to get better at when it comes to writing for the web um, is to encourage a degree of interaction. You know, actually um, talk to people um, as if you were having a conversation. Um, and that's going to make it much more likely for them to reach out and contact you and do this kind of stuff, um, which obviously moves them forward in their engagement. So there you go. That is a whole load of uh, ways that you can improve um, your copy. Cool. Let's talk about our next sponsor, Mm -hmm. which is a very appropriate one this week. We've got Gather Content back on the show. Yeah, they've sponsored us before. And and if you haven't come across Gather Content, you can find out more about them at gathercontent.com. and what's really interesting about content and writing for the web is that the challenges around producing the content for your website are not just the challenges of writing good copy. It's also the challenges of getting the content, creating the content, moving it through. You know, great writing great content for the web is just the beginning, right? You've also got the pressures of production that you know, oh, we've got to turn this around really quickly. We haven't got long to do it. And so that starts impacting the quality of the content we produce. Also, uh, you know, I know nothing about this part of the business. I need to talk to someone who does and, and I need their time and their feedback on what I'm writing. And, you know, and I need some bullet points from them to start. And, and also our content management 
management system isn't finished yet, you know, yeah. and we've got to start creating content. And also my, my content's got to be approved by my, my boss because my boss is a complete uptight, you know, micromanager. So you need a tool to help you deal with all these kinds of issues. And that's where something like gather content can be so helpful because it, it gives you a workflow a methodology and a, a place to, to create this great content. So they call it a, a content operations platform, which I think sounds a bit pretentious, but I kind of know what they mean. It's a place to help teams produce effective content at scale, you know, mm. I mean, some of the websites we work on have got hundreds of thousands of pages. They probably shouldn't have hundreds of thousands of pages, but they do. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, they need something like that. So, um, yeah, they've got a, basically it's a, a platform that allows them to manage people, processes, all the things for producing effective content to meet their user needs and their business goals. So if, if that sounds like the kind of thing that might be helpful to you, then you can go and find out more at gathercontent.com. Right, let's wrap this baby up with a few resources to get you started, right? Gather content. There you go. There's one. <laughs> but I, I guess that I'm not. See, this is really awkward. Because I would have to admit to gather content, I would have probably already included them at this point. But this way, I've got them to pay me too, which is a bonus, right? I should have done that with all the people on this list. So um, let's hope they don't maybe, listen to this. Well, eh? Maybe, maybe they will listen to it and just send you money anyway, Paul. What, the others? Yeah. yeah. It's possible. Yeah, that's a great idea. Maybe unlikely, right. but possible. So here we go. So we mentioned Hemingway half a dozen times during this blooming podcast. So they definitely should pay us, right? Um, even though you were moaning about it. Um, so this is HemingwayApp.com, which is a great application for, um, for really kind of aggressively forcing you to write um, effective web copy. Now, Marcus has pointed out it's not perfect. It, you know, sometimes I think it's too aggressive. Um, but it's a really great tool for proving a point to other people. <laughs> so if you've got an academic or a business person or a marketer who thinks they can write good content, Ooh, put it yeah. into Hemingway and it'll go multicolored with lots of errors and messages that say it needs to be improved. Paul, I would never, so, ever do do that after I'd written the, the post about um, it's, um, you know, the things I don't like about it. That's a lie. I've probably done it about five times since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Red. It's yes, exactly. difficult to read. Now, there is an alternative to Hemingway for those people like Marcus that, that uh, find it slightly aggressive. And that's Grammarly. Yeah, I've used um, Now, Grammarly is updated recently which is why I'm bringing it up now, right? Because it's, yeah, yes, it'll check your grammar and all the rest of it. And it's always done that. And it's always been very good at that. But more recently, it started to identify hard to read sentences, which is one of the things that you really want to pay attention to when writing web copy. So Grammarly is definitely something you might want to consider as well. Okay. Um, I'm also in the show notes, I'm going to put um, links to several articles that you might be interested in. So the show notes, if you go to boagwell.com forward slash show, go to season 24, select episode two, and you'll find all of these in there. So the first is um, uh, an article that I wrote called Seven Ways a Great Copywriter Compels, uh, Creates Compelling Web Copy. Um, and it's a really good article for basically saying, look, you don't know how to write copy as well as you think you do for the web, right? And that actually, really, we probably should get a grown up to do it. Somebody that can actually write copy um, and web copy in particular. So not condescending at all in any way, Paul. Yeah, it doesn't read like that when you write. When, I didn't write it like that. I'm saying it like that because this is something that everybody, you know, needs to to. Yeah, sooner or later, you're going to have to have that awkward conversation on you. And this article kind of helps with that a little bit. The second one is um, uh, usability.gov, actually, the American equivalent of the digital um, government service here in the UK, have written a really nice little checklist of things to consider when you're writing copy. 
um and and you might want to check that out because it's just you know it's very very short here are things so you could almost write a bit of copy and then look at that and go oh i haven't done that i haven't done this if you want a slightly more comprehensive list that you know just to read over e-consultants excuse me Mm -hmm. burping in the microphone that's always pleasant um the um the e-consultancy have written a longer one 23 things to consider when writing for the web but they're both really good so check those out um uh and then the final the final article that um i want to point you to is one that i've written which is how to write write for online audiences that hate to read um so again it's it's just advice about how to make the um you know the content as good as possible I think that's ample to keep people going on writing for the web. Marvellous, Paul, is what it was. All of it, every word, especially my words. <laughs> why does it sound? Why does it sound so sarcastic coming out of your mouth? Because I've been doing this too long, probably. I also, <laughs> I, I, I played it. I, I gigged on Saturday, uh, and I've still got a really deep voice from when I did too much singing. So maybe that, yeah, that you've got that to, kind of gravelly, yeah, sexy voice, haven't yeah, you? It yeah. adds to the sarcasm, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> right, so have you got a joke for us? I have. This one's from Daryl Snow. What do you get when you cross the Atlantic with the Titanic? Go on. About halfway. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's some. Um... You're mocking the death of many hundreds I, of people. I, I'm not, Paul. I'm just re-reading a joke that somebody else sent to me. So, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nothing, yeah nothing you're just following me. orders, mm-hmm. aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So next week, we're going to be looking at the subject of presenting. So I think that Ooh. might be quite an interesting one because um, obviously me and Marcus present in, in – well, I do the kind of presenting that Marcus does, which is the sales presenting – but I also do other types of presenting, like uh, on a stage or, or workshop. Well, you do workshops as well. Of course you do, do workshops. Do workshops. And very occasionally I'll do standing on a stage, but that's fearsome stuff. Unless yeah. I've got a guitar, then I'm fine. But no. The, I know. It's a bit weird yeah. <laughs> how, how you, you, yeah, you've all got it. So if you put me on a, on a stage with a guitar, sing, I'd Paul, myself. Sing now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that. Um, so I think it'd be quite interesting because our styles are very different as well. Um, so I think that'd be quite an interesting conversation. So we're going to talk about that next week anyway. Um, but until then, thank you very much for, for listening. And thank you very much for those of you who joined us live um, in the room. Until next week, goodbye. Oh, right.